hands always be busy May your feet always be swift May you have a strong foundation When the winds of change is shift May your heart always be joyful May your song always be sung And may you stay Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers had quite a memorable night on Thanksgiving. Uh, just two days ago, the retirement of Brett Favre's number, the emotional return of Bart Starr, and also another disappointing loss, this time to the Chicago Bears by the final score of 17-13. to And uh, we'll get into all of that um, I guess in just a reversal of uh, how we normally do things on here, the thing that will come from this game in the long term will be that halftime festivities that uh, had Brett Favre and had a bunch of former players, also had Bart Starr. So there's going to be a lot of negative on this show, obviously. So let's start with the positive. That was a super moment. Yeah, and I, the Bart Starr thing in particular, where it seemed like I heard all week that they weren't even sure if he could raise his hand, and they were kind of coaching him and just hoping that muscle memory would take over and he'd be able to raise it up once he got the ovation. But he was pumping his fists and was yeah. able to hug Brett, and that was really, really awesome. And probably one of the last times you know we'll get to see him out on the field like that, so it was really cool to see that. Yeah, and his uh, wife had said in the uh, pregame, the local pregame here, that they are treating this like this will be the last time that Bart Starr is ever in Green Bay. And everybody had heard about his health problems, but he had been so protected, um, and rightfully so, that I really had no idea what to expect as far as his condition. Um, you'd hear uh, there was a really good ESPN article uh, back in the summer about his determination to make it on Thursday, and you'd hear him be quoted and things like that, but then also his wife Cherry would say things like how how bad he was doing, and there are some days he didn't know much. And um, to see him come out there and just be so full of energy and and happy, and um, people said like Brett, I guess said that he he could see him gritting his teeth, like how hard he was focusing and stuff. And um, yeah, that almost brought tears to my eyes. That was such a a really cool moment. And as rotten as the game was at the end. Five years from now, 10 years, 20 years from now, nobody's going to remember that the Packers lost to the Bears 17-13 to um, or what even happened to the 2015 Packers. They're going to remember that moment, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really great. You would have hoped that you could maybe tie that in with a really special game, too, and then you'd remember both kind of together. But <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll just have to take the good halftime and the awful game. Yeah, and we'll talk about Brett Favre, and, and there's a special coming on on Thursday, so we're going to talk about some Brett Favre. Uh, stuff later in the show but for as much as his critics and 
you know, even fans like myself have said about Favre and his massive ego, for him to so eagerly share that moment with Bart Starr and really making it Bart Starr's moment more than Brett's moment, I think shows that, of course, he's got an ego to be an elite-level athlete, but um, he's got quite a heart as well. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that as it was happening. It's, it, it was kind of strange that, you know, he, Bart was the main event. He came out last and <laughs> yeah. it just kind of seemed like it was, it was his thing. And I, yeah, I guess it was kind of both of theirs, but I guess it was specifically Brett's jersey being retired. So it was, uh, it was kind of different, you know, and I thought about that and I guess, hey, I, apparently they're, they've been really good friends throughout the years. So I'm sure he was happy to do it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely took away some of the spotlight from him, so he must not have mattered too much to him. Well, I had thought, I had heard that there was talks between him and the Packers to bring him back last year, Mm -hmm. and then Bart had his health issues, and Brett really wanted his first big return to a Packer game to include Bart Starr, and that's part of the reason that they postponed it, so... so there is that. Yeah, it made it that much better. Yeah, it really did. It was awesome. And then... Obviously, Aaron Rodgers couldn't join them because he was in the middle of a football game, but it was kind of neat to see the little moment that they showed between him and Brett to when he came out and just the two of them met at, at midfield real quick. And so um, there's been signs for a while now that Brett and Aaron are doing okay, but it was uh, kind of nice to see that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, one thing that's not doing okay involving Aaron Rodgers is his passing offense. As... The Packers lose their second consecutive game at Lambeau Field to another lousy division opponent. The last time the Packers lost back-to-back games at Lambeau Field was in 2013 when the leading passers were Seneca Wallace and Scott Tolzien. The last time that they lost back-to-back games at Lambeau Field in games started and finished by Aaron Rodgers, it was 2008 in his very first season when they went 6-10. and So we're in some uncharted waters, at least recently, for the Packers. And... For years, all we have worried about is this defense. Is it good enough to help prop up this offense? Well, they now have lost games in which the defense held the opposing team to 18 and 17 points. And seven of those points were caused on a short field by an offensive turnover. What the hell is going on right now? Yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. I, I mean, we kind of tried to get into this last week and try to figure out what was going on, but it's just you see some glimmer of hope after the win last week, and all of a sudden you bounce back and see this, you know, the same thing again. And it's just such an anemic offense, which is just so hard to believe with Aaron Rodgers and Eddie Lacy and, and Randall Cobb. It's just for it to be that bad, it's it's unbelievable. And I, I never thought we'd see this with this offense or as long as Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback that they just couldn't put up points or do anything. Yeah, going back to the defense, to think that the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers supposedly healthy, to be losing games where the defense is holding teams in the teens, the NFL average right now for points allowed is 23. And so our defense is allowing well below that number, and the Packers still can't win. And I had predicted on the radio that I thought this game was going to be pretty close, and I said how cool it would be for Aaron Rodgers to have a comeback win or a last-second touchdown pass to kind of honor the two legends there. And he had the opportunity for it, and it completely didn't work. And I don't even know. I've heard so much about what happened at the end there, and apparently when that last throw that he rocketed to Adams, he was trying to throw it to Cobb in the back of the end zone, and Adams jumped in the way, which doesn't surprise me the way he's played. Uh, James Jones had his hands on a ball, which we thought he caught, and then he dropped it. Um, They were gashing him with the run, but then 
apparently they had no timeouts, so that'll happen. But, man, I what is it? Because when you hear after the game, Aaron Rodgers is talking like the receivers are just not on the same page. They're not running to the proper depth is the, the reason he gave, that he's so inaccurate because they're running to a different depth than he's throwing it. And he tried his best to, to sort of say it's an us problem, but how could that be his problem? <laughs> but on the flip side, you know, we were watching because it's, it's, a, it's a huge multitude of reasons because Aaron Rodgers seems to be struggling. I don't care if he, what he says the reasons is. He's obviously struggling, and you said a couple of weeks ago that you wouldn't be surprised to find out he was injured after the season is over. I mean, his numbers are terrible right now. He's got his ridiculous touchdown-interception ratio, but he's throwing 6.9 yards per attempt, which is like a half yard worse than his worst season in 08. It's the latest in the season that he's been under 100 for a cumulative quarterback rating in five years. And his completion percentage is barely over 60. So yeah. he's part of the problem. They're running the ball like crazy and then not doing it. it I, and then... I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to say everything that's wrong with it, but I, I would just end up listing every play that happened on Thursday. Yeah, and I, I feel like I maybe kind of, you know, everything's a problem. Obviously, yeah. nothing is working optimally, but there, I feel like I really kind of narrowed it down on after watching that game on Thursday to the receivers are really, really bad, and they're targeting a guy in Devontae Adams who does not belong on the field right now, yeah. and the play calling is terrible. Mm-hmm. So. Although I think Aaron Rodgers is struggling and the offensive line is not as good as it's been, I think they're good enough. I just think that the things around them, I think the receivers and the play calling specifically, were really, really, really terrible. And it, it's so hard to win as a quarterback, trying your best. He put the ball on the money a couple times, or more than a couple times, and the receivers just didn't make plays. Well, and that's what's so frustrating is I think you're right. I mean, this was the first time you and I got to watch a game together in years, which was which was fun. But... There were some, what was that one play where Janice is running a square out and then James Jones is running a slow to cross the middle of the field and that's it. That's, that's the only yeah. two guys that are out there. And then there's like a, what, a nine man or a, or a eight man protection. And well, heck, any defense could stop that if you have James Jones and then the only speed guys running a freaking 15 yard out. I don't yeah, I was know really what. Glad yeah. they zoomed out when they showed that replay because it was like, what the heck is going on here? He How so is that time. play supposed to work? Like, I want to sit in the film room with Mike McCarthy and have him explain to me how that's supposed to work. Yeah, you would think, you know, the plan, it seems like somebody must be sneaking wide open. To only have two receivers, they've got to expect somebody to have fooled the defense. But when you've only got two receivers, it's pretty easy to key on those two guys and put a few guys around each of them. So I I, I have no idea. And it's not like somebody slipped out of the backfield late, you know, as uh, possibly a screen or something like that. It was really bizarre play. And you feel like that's happening more and more. You just don't see it because of the uh, the panned out view like that. Yeah, and that's what might make me waste the rest of my Thanksgiving weekend is how did they go 6-0 and then yeah. if everybody can stop it? I don't get it. Um, maybe that bye week just came at the worst time and every team in the leagues, you know what, like screw these Packers. They've been scoring enough for a long, long time. Let's just ruin their whole offense and we'll all study on it and share notes. Yeah, I mean, you lose Ty Montgomery, which you'd like to have him back, but you wouldn't think that's the huge difference there. I mean, you still, otherwise, for the most part, James Jones was killing the league for the first six weeks, and yeah. Randall Cobb was at least sufficient. Yeah. Um, I've but, heard that about Ty Montgomery, too, and it's like, if your offense fell apart because you lost a rookie who had 15 catches for 136 yards, 
then your offense, then it's just a bad offense. It's not. Yeah, I mean, it'll help when he gets back. He might already be like your second best receiver as soon as he hits the field, but it mm-hmm. shouldn't be the reason why your offense completely falls apart. It's not like he was, you know, the the main focal point of the offense or anything. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I I don't know, like. It's it's the same as always. I mean, it felt like Aaron was super conservative again. Morbidly, when he went down, I was wondering that if he had to be off for a week, I'd be incredibly curious to see what this offense looks like with Scott Tolzien, who who we and they would lose undoubtedly. They would lose, but just the kind of production they'd get out of the passing game, because from what we saw from Tolzien back when he played in 2013, is he's much more. Um, willing to take risks, probably because he's not as good or as smart as Aaron Rodgers, so he kind of has to take risks just because he, he his reads are going to be more simple. But just kind of wanted to see if he was able to force some balls into there. And not that you could ever coach or should coach Aaron Rodgers to play too much differently than he does, but I just wanted to see if if somehow Tolzien had to play and then all of a sudden they get have 470 yards passing and they still lose, but not 470, 300 whatever yards passing and they still lose it'd be it would be interesting to see if Aaron is just that shell-shocked right now or if the the plays are legitimately that bad yeah and see I I mean he only got sacked twice in that game so I I feel the the pain with Rodgers a lot on that where he's holding the ball he's taking sacks but I mean he threw it 43 times and the week before that he threw it what like 100 yeah it's it's not like he's not throwing the ball and to have a, a you know a 50% completion percentage for two straight weeks it's not like you're not throwing the ball down the field I I feel like he's kind of trying his best to yeah. to take chances even at this point it's just there's nobody getting open. Their, their plays aren't designed to get somebody open. When he hits somebody, they're not making the play. Yeah. I'm I'm starting to strangely push the guilt away from him a little bit more, I think, as the season's going on here. And honestly, I am too. Um, when we saw some of those route combinations that they had on Thursday, and the thing that to me was most troubling coming out of Thursday is we and many people in both the media and fans, which were both um, – have been dying for them to do more concepts like Denver and the Patriots. And what the Bears torched them with it, it, yeah, on a Thursday is just a lot of those bubble screens and those quick outs and those plays designed to get one guy open and then everybody else try to get him down the field. And they tried that on Thursday. They tried it like three or four times, and it was disastrous every single time. Either a guy getting completely blown out, whether it was Jeff Janis, one time it was Richard Rogers, whether it was Randall Cobb who can't beat his guy. When you're running those bubble screens – that leaves a guy open, even if you have a blocker in front of you. Somebody, you have to beat somebody in order for that to work. And Cobb couldn't do it on two different occasions. So that's the thing that kind of scared me more. Is it appeared that Clements and McCarthy had said, "Okay, w- let's try to scheme someone open," as they say, and they tried and they couldn't do it even then. Well, I mean, just if you're talking about Patriots football, I mean, look at the your running backs and your slot guy. They had what? Just taking a look here, 14 catches for 120 yards and a touchdown on only, let's see here, what, 18 targets? Okay. They only had three incompletions between Cobb, Starks, and Lacey, and that's where all their production came from. But then you have Devontae Adams with two catches on 11 targets, Richard Rodgers four catches on seven targets. So it kind of seems like they may have found what's working is to do that kind of an offense, and it worked really, really well, but just – I, trying to get the ball down to, to Adams and, and James Jones or whatever, just not working at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the screens are working, but you, you have a, a sense that it would be hard to run 
too many more screens than they are doing. I know the Holmgren Packers were able to run screens in bunches for years and years, and they were always effective, but you, you can't run 10 screens a game. <laughs> you can probably run three or four or maybe five, but at some point you're going to get your quarterback killed or you're going to have a huge loss. The thing that's so frustrating, and, and maybe just that two tar- or two catches and 11 targets for Adams and then what, he had 10 catches and 21 targets against Detroit, you know, it's going to be historically bad for a two-week span. I, I can't imagine anybody's been worse than that. Well, it's hard to remember that they had the uh, a, a win in between those two disastrous games. And yeah, I, you're right. I, I don't know what he did there. Um, Devontae Adams had four targets for three catches and 36 yards against the which is pretty good numbers for Jared Boykin. Still spend that over a three week span it's still probably the worst ever for a three week span even though he had a pretty good week in the middle. Yeah, he's only catching 50% of his targets right now. Um huh. he's been targeted 64 times for 32 catches, 322 yards. So he's only getting 10 yards a reception and he was supposed to be your tre- stretch the field guy. He just looks like a giant possession receiver at this point. Yeah. But that's what was so frustrating about this game is they ran over them completely. Eddie Lacy looks very much back, although he fumbled, and that's something that bothered me so much. So they ran for 177 yards on 28 carries, which is over six a carry. That's Melvin Gordon with the Badgers numbers. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers can still only muster 202 yards passing. And I'm not saying it's all his fault. He's part of the problem, obviously, but he more than shares it with the rest of the, the pass catchers. But Eddie Lacy fumbled on a huge run. McCarthy made a point to bring it up in his press conference. Well, he had the ball out to his side, and that's not how you carry the football, and that's what leads to turnovers. So they bring him out of the game. But Devontae freaking Adams, who can't do anything, can't get open, gets targeted 11 times for two catches, and potentially jumped in the way, um, and and Quinn Johnson style, knocks down the game-winning touchdown pass, potentially. And I bet you next week he gets targeted 15 times for three catches for 10 yards against Detroit. Yeah, it, and I can I can understand why Lacey comes out. He's gashing him, but I mean, four fumbles in a season loss is a lot. But to your point, I mean, you're you're not holding anybody but him accountable. It seems like. Yeah, so and it, it's I, not like he's ruining these great drives. And you scored 13 points. He only fumbled once, and Rogers threw a pick. It's like he he's a part of the problem for sure. But you're not blowing the world up with your offense right now. He's the only guy moving the sticks. When Melvin Gordon fumbles, you say, gosh darn it, Melvin, here's the ball six more times because you're all we have. That's the case right now. Two straight weeks where Lacey's over 100 and looks really good. So I wouldn't mind, you know, if they're going to beat Detroit, he's probably got to get the ball like 30 times, I think. Yeah, (laughs) I would think. Or at least between him and Starks get the ball that much. And. And that's the thing that's it's really puzzling is you see Aaron throwing for 43 attempts. And then in Detroit, against Detroit, what do you have, like 60 attempts, 61 attempts? And, yeah, they were behind. They weren't behind by 14. I mean, right. the biggest deficit they had in this game was the final score, which was four points. You don't have to abandon the run when you're down 14 to 13 at halftime. So I don't understand. I, I don't know. And... I don't know if they're going to fix it. They're running out of time. And I, I was going to, if, if we'd have done this show yesterday, I was going to say I have one word for Packer Nation, four letters, O-V-E-R. I'm not quite to that point because of how well the defense has been playing and how screwy the NFL is this year. Yeah. It, it, as good as Carolina is playing and as good as Arizona is playing, they still have, 
you know, their, their quarterbacks are playing well, but it's not Tom Brady and Peyton Manning quarterbacking those teams. So they could still have some meltdowns. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of them got knocked off before the Packers had to play them. So there's certainly a chance. And the fact is, Minnesota still has to keep winning in order for the Packers to lose this division. And the Packers have some winnable games. Now that Dallas one looks super easy if, if Romo's down, although we'll probably lose that one because of the way they're playing at home right now. But so I'm not ready to completely give up. I, I, there's no way they're winning the Super Bowl. I don't think. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would bet against it. But they still could get, you know, win the division and go into the playoffs and things like that. But I don't, see, they're running out of time to fix this offense. And the fact that listening to Rodgers, listening to McCarthy, listening to the receivers, people are bringing up they're either at a loss for how to explain the problem or the problems they're mentioning, like Rogers saying, well, we're running to a different depth than I'm throwing at. Well, that's training camp stuff. You're not going to fix it by now. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I, I think I've finally come to terms. I, I There was that three-game bunch where you're like, man, maybe this seems not that good, but then they win, and you're like, you know what, I think they can turn it around. But after that one, coming back after a win and doing that, I think I've come to terms with the, the fact that they – They'll probably still make the playoffs, or at least you hope so. But they're definitely a middle of the pack team. They're a team that could potentially still do it because you still got Eddie Lacy. The defense is playing good. You still got Rogers Cobb, whatever. But it's gonna take everything you have every week. It's not gonna be a Packer team like we're used to seeing. You're expecting them to blow somebody out. It's gonna be a dogfight every single week for mm-hmm. the rest of the year. Even like a Dallas game. I mean, who knows? They've yeah. been holding it close with teams, even with Matt Castle in there. So we'll probably get Matt Castle a new contract. They'll be like, oh my gosh, look how good this guy is in the uh, Jason Garrett system. We better sign him in the off season. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no games you're coming into anymore the rest of the year where you're like, oh yeah, that can just relax during this one. They got this. It's every game's gonna be a huge game and. Maybe that'll be an exciting change for us here from the last few years where you crush really bad teams and you, you go 13 and 3 because you lost to a couple of good teams, but you know, they're just going to be 13 to 10 with every single team, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think beating teams 53 to 20 yeah, is more I, fun than yeah, that. <laughs> I'd rather take that. Yeah. But we'll see, I guess. I, I hate to use more cliches, but if they're able to win a lot of those, they'll be battle tested going into the playoffs, but. Um, when I was researching Aaron Rodgers to see the last time that he was under 100 for a quarterback rating this late in the season, he's at a 97.4 right now. And after 11 games with an identical 7-4 and record in 2010, he had a 97.4 passer rating. So obviously that means they're going to win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> um, some more injuries. Um it sounded like Demarius Randall hurt his knee. Brian Bulaga hurt his ankle. Both of them are listed as questionable. Uh, Probably won't up. play in a short week, you wouldn't think. Well, it's not a short week. It'll uh, be. I a, guess they do yeah. have a whole week off in between, don't they? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's weird. I hate these back-to-back Thursdays. Um, they had one of those in 07, too, with the Detroit Thanksgiving and then that showdown against Dallas. And it's it's weird. It's hard to wrap your – it almost feels like preseason. Yeah. So they're headed to Detroit to take on the red-hot Detroit Lions who massacred the Philadelphia Eagles on Thanksgiving. What was it, 45-14? to 14? Man, um, Mike McCarthy came into his press conference on Thursday night, and they asked him what's next, and he's like, well, we have nothing left to do but go to Detroit and beat the Lions. I'm like, I, I, I don't know if you're going to do that, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they would get swept by the freaking Lions. They should be disqualified and have to forfeit the rest of the, the games this yeah. year. But I don't know. What are their chances in Detroit? I feel like these two teams are like a dead heat right now. They're like almost seem like a mirror image of each other. You've got these quarterbacks that were like once considered elite, and Rodgers still is, but they're kind of playing the same right now. They're not that great. They're, I mean, Kelvin Johnson isn't very good anymore. Or he played pretty well on Thanksgiving, but overall he's definitely taken a step back. I mean, the offenses aren't very explosive. The running games haven't been that good. The defenses are kind of middle of the road. So it it, it should be another good game, I would think. Yeah, um, I, Detroit, I think, has played a lot better than they played against us last time, which is a little bit scary because we still lost that one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I still would choose the Packers, but, I mean, you're going into Detroit. You couldn't do it at home. You just lost to the Bears, who are probably worse than Detroit. It's mm-hmm. it's a tough call. I'd, I'd like to say they're going to do it, but I don't have answers on how exactly they're going to pull that off. Yeah, and I've lost all confidence in the Packers. Oh, this is the game. Now they're going to turn it on. And No, that's – I mean – it could still happen, but I don't expect that anymore. <laughs> to lose the game when Bart Starr has spent a year rehabbing to be in attendance to watch it. I know that emotion doesn't probably play in your mind when you're on the the, uh, the goal line trying to go in, but it feels like that's a football moment when you just have to say, all right, we're at the eight-yard line and we have no timeouts with 30 seconds left, but... You know, we're the Packers, this is the Bears, we have Bart Starr and Brett Favre here, we're going to give it to Eddie Lacy, and if we have to push this pile through the wall, we're going to score a touchdown here. And it doesn't seem like this team has that kind of grit. Yeah, it's just, just kind of speaking on that last drive, it's hard to picture a Packer team not scoring there. It just seems like, you know, the regular season last year, and since Rodgers and Favre and Bart Starr have been here, that's the drive you score against the Bears to win. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like, you see the pass drop incomplete, and I was just kind of in disbelief seeing the Bears celebrate. I was like, that's not how that's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a this is a Packer moment where, you know, Favre throws a touchdown, or, or Aaron Rodgers, you know, with like last year with the fake spike thing, throws a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And just to see that happen and the ball fall, it's like, they, well, they should get another down or something, right? Like, <laughs> you need Wayne and Garth to come across the screen and be like, yeah, wait, like, that's yeah. not how it ends. <laughs> it's just kind of like a microcosm of this season and just kind of sort of sums everything up that something that the Packers and Aaron Rodgers of what they're normally doing is just not working. It just falls lifelessly to the ground. And I was angry at that on Thursday. And then as the days have gone by, I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers because that is a part of his game that he's never quite measured up to Favre or even to Bart Starr. You know, Favre's best known for last-second throws and pulling it out at the end. And Bart Starr's best-remembered play is the ice bowl, running the ball with no timeouts to win a championship. You know, those are kind of the late-game heroics. And Rodgers doesn't have a whole bunch of those moments. And we always compare him to Steve Young. The reason Rodgers doesn't have those moments is because when he's at his best, you can't hang with him. And he's on the bench in the fourth quarter and doesn't need to come from behind and pull the game out of nowhere. And I thought it would have been so fitting for him to enter that echelon with these guys. And I'm sure that history will be more kind to him than we are right now. And they're going to remember that throw to Cobb against the Bears and and some of that kind of stuff. But, you know, to have those two in attendance and having a day, if not a week, of highlights of Favre late game heroics and then Bart Starr late game heroics and to have him lose 17 to 13 to a really bad Bears team with a chance to have one of those moments. Um, yeah. I feel kind of bad for him because yeah. he's a, he's a great, great player, 
But I think someday, you know, he's still going to be considered one of the greatest. But, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's like he he's probably, if they're all cars, Aaron Rodgers is the one that never breaks down and always gets you to where you want to go, but it doesn't quite drive as fast or look as cool parked in your driveway. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, so um, we're not going to make picks. Um, there's really no point since Matt always picks wrong and I always pick right. Yeah, uh, 0 for 3 on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. just, just, I just I got off my game after a good last year, and I've just been awful this year. Yeah, well, it doesn't help. I don't, I don't know what any teams are anymore. I, feel like, <laughs> I, like, I don't even know or care. It's like whatever. Yeah, it, the last couple of weeks have gone crazy. Because like, I'm still leading you in the picks, but I won one week. With a five and nine record, because you had four and ten. I mean, that stinks. But I I can't get a gauge on almost any teams. Carolina's good. I think Arizona's good. I think the Patriots are good. I'm not even sure about teams like Denver and Cincinnati. Are they good? I'm not sure. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but somebody's got to win the Super Bowl, and I mean, time will tell what that is. But um, man, Carolina is maybe Dallas is just that bad, and Carolina keeps getting to play a bunch of teams, but. I think you described it best either last week or the week before that they don't look that impressive. They just keep coming and they keep scoring and they keep stopping you and they just um I don't know what a good example is. Maybe the the pre nutso Patriots offense. Um, yeah, like the San Antonio Spurs in a different sport, kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Slow blowout through every single game. Or the Kansas City Royals that just won the World Series. That yeah. they, they just keep getting singles and doubles and singles and doubles, and all of a sudden you look up at the scoreboard and you lost eleven to three. It it even though they didn't hit a home run, it's just really strange. And um, I, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing them not win the NFC right now. But, yeah, uh, I, I I am actually looking forward to it. them in an Arizona game. Uh, yeah, me too. Playoffs. As long as it's not at the Packers' expense, of course. But I I don't know if they play, they don't play the rest of this year. I don't think. Um, no, they shouldn't, because I don't think those divisions are playing each other. And Arizona didn't win their division last year, so no. I mean, I think those two teams are far and away the best teams in the NFC right now. You kind of lump the Packers in the same ship as the Falcons and the Giants and whatever, but it seems like those two are definitely the class. And I feel like it's it's going to be hard to see anybody else other than those two making it out at this point. Yeah, so that's probably why the Washington Redskins will win the NFC this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll look back on this now and be like, man, I can't believe they snuck in and then they just went on the road and won every single game. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, man, the MVP of the Super Bowl 50, who would have thought? Ugh, let's hope that doesn't happen. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. No, it honestly wouldn't surprise me either. So um, we're not going to go really long today, but... Uh, the Packers are taking on Detroit. Uh, for some reason, it's on CBS and the NFL Network. I thought we were just NFL Network exclusive at this point, but for some reason, I don't know if the Packers are that big of a draw or what. But oh, nationally, it's on CBS too, huh? Yeah. So I, I'm not quite sure why. Um, but and and we've avoided the color rush, so we don't have to see all orange or uh, all oh, yellow. I kind of want to see that. Why, why are we avoiding it? I well, I don't know because it's stupid and looks gross. I, I kind of want to see it for one game. <laughs> Maybe they could just do the all green. That would be kind of cool, or you know, something. Yeah. I guess when you're on the road, yeah, that might be kind of tough. But. Well, I don't want them to change the helmet. Yeah, you know, I guess they could do all green with the. Ugh. But I guess if <laughs> the all yellow, which wasn't that a a rumored alternate in 2004. Yeah, yeah I remember seeing like. I'm sure they were just mock-ups by artists, but I remember seeing pictures of it. and They looked terrible. Well, it was on the NFL 2K video game. 
So you could play with them on there, and it looked really stupid. But if ever there was a team that had to take the field... Yeah, just do it this year. Get it over with. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to lose all the time, we may as well look like bananas running around out there. <laughs> but uh, after that is going to be a new NFL Network series called The Timeline, and the first episode is called Favre Returns. And uh, Matt and I were able to get a sneak peek of the episode that's coming up and... Um, yeah, VIPs. Yeah, VIPs. So th- that must mean there's at least several million VIPs, I would I would expect, if, if oh. we're amongst them. So Matt and I were both able to watch it, and it I thought it was really good. It, it yeah. kind of follows Brett Favre. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah, I thought it was really good, too. And it was kind of, it kind of took you into the back scenes a little bit of some things that maybe I, I hadn't relived since the whole thing went down, mm-hmm. or maybe saw some things that you kind of assumed were happening, but nobody really came out and said it. And Brett was super honest, mm-hmm. and it kind of took you through the whole range of emotions again of, you know, Brett winning and, and Brett doing what he could with these bad teams, and then finally coming back in 07. And, um, you know, and then all of a sudden he's, he's leaving, and you kind of get pissed at him again. And, the, the only strange thing was is they really, really painted like home or at home grin, McCarthy <laughs> and Ted Thompson in a bad light kind of with him leaving mm-hmm. with because Brett was the one saying what was going on. He's like, yeah, I just I told him I wasn't sure. And then the next day they told me I had to retire. And it, <laughs> yeah. But then they like they kept showing these clips of him like at the end of the 06 season, like crying, and said, I'm going to miss these guys. And, <laughs> yeah. and, like, and then in, at the end of 07, he's like crying and doing the retirement ceremony. He makes it seem like they like forced him to do these things. <laughs> Yeah, kind of a thing, but um, that was the thing that I found the most interesting. Uh, Brett was incredibly candid, and the the idea that and and they they had a small clip of McCarthy talking about oh I couldn't believe he said he was going to retire. So the fact that both of those parties still are not on the yeah. same page as to what happened prior to the March press conference, where Favre made it sound like he was just saying an off the cuff remark. Well, if I was asked today. If I'm 100% committed in coming back, I would say no. And if I'm not 100% committed, I'm not going to play. And he made it sound like that's all he said. And then the Packers ran with it like, okay, you're retiring. They told him he had to have a retirement ceremony the very next day. Yeah. And forced him to it. Yeah, and talking like, well, during the press conference, implying that part of the reason he was getting emotional is because he just didn't feel right about having to retire. And... I mean, I guess they both could still believe they were right and will never quite know, but I thought it was fabulous. I think everybody should watch it, but the thing that bothers me about these documentaries that they have about the Favre-Packers breakup is when you're trying to make a documentary, you need to have a narrative or a main character, and the most compelling is always going to be Brett Favre. But the problem is, I think... Inadvertently, it always, as you were mentioning, it always makes Brett Favre the good guy in the story. And he's the one who can come out most candidly and say things like, I didn't care where I played as long as I got to play the Packers because I wanted to beat those guys. Well, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and Ted Thompson, you know, the NFL always talks about players having to protect the shield. Well, those guys have to protect the G. They're right. still representative of the Packers brand, and so they can't come out and say, you know, they always show, well, Favre, you know, he got forced out, or they had a breakup. They were on the doorstep of the Super Bowl, and then they, they went away from this guy. Well, because of the situation that McCarthy and Thompson and Rogers are in currently, they can't come out and say what's true on the other side. The story that never gets told is that this was not an isolated incident. For 10 years, great Packer teams that were Super Bowl caliber didn't make it to the Super Bowl in large part because Brett Favre couldn't get it done in the playoffs. 
And unlike 2001 or 2004 when we had some over-the-hill bum playing backup quarterback, we had what we thought was a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback on the bench that we had invested a lot in. And at that point, McCarthy had coached an 8-8 and team, a 13-3 and team that had lost to a wild-card team at home in the playoffs, and could very well have been a fluke. As an assistant, he had been the coordinator of some good offenses on some mediocre teams. Ted Thompson had been the GM for a 4-12 and team, an 8-8 eight and eight team, and a fluky 13-3 and three team, and Aaron Rodgers had thrown like 20 passes in the NFL. And they said, it might ruin our careers, but we are putting our money on this guy that the long-term future of the Green Bay Packers is in good hands if we give Aaron Rodgers a chance, even though it might cost me, Mike McCarthy, and me, Ted Thompson, our entire football careers. And be like one of the most hated people in Green Bay history if it doesn't work out well. Yeah, and they were willing to do that, and partially because of the position they're in, and also because everything is so far-centric, that story never gets told. And, like, this documentary, it got me all angry against seeing how they show, you know, Favre coming in and beating the crap out of the Packers twice in 2009, and then they're going straight to July when he returned. And I'm like... I know this is far centric, so you're not going to tell that part of the story. But tell the part of the story where the guests worked and they came to the Metrodome one year later with a Super Bowl team and stuck a stake through Brett Favre's career, got Brad Childress fired, and ruined yeah. the Minnesota Vikings, and then won the Super Bowl. Show that part of the story. I was I was thinking about that too as I was watching. Is how freaking sweet that must have been. To, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not only to see Rodgers be, be what he's become, but to win a Super Bowl, you know, the very next year in, in 2010. And with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, I mean, all of the weight had to be lifted off of those guys, off mm-hmm. of McCarthy and Thompson. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, yeah, just incredible. They, they made the right call, obviously. I yeah. don't think anybody would dispute that except for the, the crazy far fans, what they showed, showed a few of those in the film as well. As a Packer fan, that's one of my five favorite games ever, is the win at the Metrodome in 2010. I was so nervous before that game that I almost passed out because I knew that if the Packers won, Favre was playing so bad that he was going to retire after 2010 or be forced out by the Vikings and that the head-to-head record would be 2-2 two and two, and that nobody would bring it up ever again. It wouldn't be Favre was better than Rodgers. And then they destroyed them. And it's one of my favorite calls ever is when Rodgers throws that fourth-and-one bomb to Jennings for a touchdown to go up 30-3. to three. And Wayne Larravee says, and there's the dagger. The Packers have daggered the Vikings. It's over. Their season is over. It's the best call ever. And it was just like, okay, so you played your cards and whatever, and now you have to go off and retire, and we're going to go win the Super Bowl. So have fun with all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I know personally that Larry McCarron was really angry at Brett Favre <laughs> at the time, so it must have been awesome for him too. I think you told that story on our, our Christmas episode last year about uh, McCarron uh, cussing out Favre at a restaurant. And you yeah, I, I guess if nobody listened to it, I was at a bar in Green Bay, just one close to campus, and I was in the bathroom just at the urinal, and I could hear somebody just angrily ripping Brett Favre outside. I was like, man, that voice sounds familiar. And it, it like swearing and all this stuff, and I walked out and turned around as I was walking out, and it was Larry McCarron just sitting there, just just one of the more profane rants I've heard, <laughs> going off on Brett Favre. It was really really awesome because I was in the same boat at the time too. I just hated the guy then. Mm-hmm. So hearing Larry McCarron, who was like one of our heroes, it's like yeah, get him, Larry. <laughs> and that's the thing that in the Favre returns documentary that they kind of gloss over. 
and they have Peter King talking at the end where I can't believe that four years after what happened with the Packers that Brett Favre's coming back to Lambeau Field in front of a huge crowd. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how amazing it is, and it's nice because they talk they want to talk it up like how big Brett Favre is and how big the organization is, and they know what they've done is more more important than the breakup. But as we alluded to last week, this the reason this is happening now and not 15 years from now is because Aaron Rodgers is really effing good and they won the Super Bowl in 2010. Had neither of those things panned out, there's no way Brett Favre would have been there on Thursday or any Thursday in the near future, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you're right. To quote Wayne Larrabee, they exercised the demons and <laughs> yeah. they were able to overcome anything. I mean, Favre has nothing left to say in, return, in regards to him leaving. I mean... We crushed him his last two games. We won a Super Bowl. We made the right choice. So I think that, you know, Packer fans like me that were really bitter and really angry at Brad, and still, you know, I'll probably hold that against him forever. Yeah. But at this point, it's like, oh, whatever. Yeah, come on back. I mean, he had a really good tenure with us. We made the right call. I mean, I've got no reason to be mad at him anymore. Mm -hmm. We did the right thing, and it worked out well for us. So whatever. Come on back. I'll cheer for you. Yeah, exactly. And I was always a bigger Far fan than you were, and I feel like I started forgiving him faster. But it's it's because how good Rodgers was and how good the Super Bowl was. And the fact that they say the time heals all wounds, it's true. But this wound got some Neosporin from a Super Bowl. And the fact is... It's still fresh enough in my memory that when I was watching the Favre Returns documentary, when they show him kicking the crap out of the Packers in 2009 at Lambeau Field, I was disgusted all over again. Yeah. So those are still very fresh in there. And you bring him back, it's it's like you're making good with your ex-girlfriend because you just bumped into a knockout that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be friends with you now because the new girlfriend I have is so much better than you are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just think about that since then. We don't win a Super Bowl. You still have the bitter Packer fans because Aaron Rodgers is struggling now. They're like, wow, whatever, which, you know, Brett Favre. And, um, Thompson's you know, long also, gone, probably. Yeah, you see him showing up at, uh, you know, Vikings games or something here or there. Like, there's a good chance that this sort of a thing doesn't happen for another 10, 15 years. Yeah, and if he, let's say everything else is the same, except the Vikings win the Super Bowl in 2009, same thing holds. Yeah, probably even longer. I would have never welcomed him back, I don't think, had he won that Super Bowl. And he wouldn't, I think Favre, like any great athlete who has been at the pinnacle, and he seems kind of like an emotional guy anyways, I think he needs that love and admiration from fans. He'd get more than he would get in Green Bay in Minnesota. He'd be the guy who won them the championship and stuck it to their rivals. He wouldn't need to come back and hang out with Bart Starr because he could come back and hang out with Fran Tarkington and all the Vikings legends. He would be yeah, going I mean, to there. Been, yeah, He'd have been legend number one in the history of Minnesota. I mean, for a team that lost all these Super Bowls and has never done it, and to be Brett Favre going back, beating up Green Bay and doing it, I mean, he would have been all time. So luckily for us, he he did what he did to us for the previous decade and, and blew it in the biggest moment of the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, wow, that was a close call. We almost lost our greatest legend. It is such a compelling story. Um I hope someday when Rodgers and McCarthy and Thompson are no longer affiliated with the Packers, they can do like a two-hour movie-style documentary where everybody lets everything fly. Cause, I kind of feel like they won't, just with their personalities. Yeah, I, I, I know for a fact that Rodgers and Thompson 
would never they they will always take the high road and i feel like mccarthy will but his real feelings will bleed through a little bit stronger than the other two sure Okay, so um, yeah, definitely the it's called the timeline. It's uh, Favre returns. It's on immediately following the Packers' loss to the Lions on Thursday, and um, it should be exciting. And I I like the potential of the series as well. I can think of tons of other situations. There's a ton of stories they could do, and I I think it'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was a subtle shot of me saying I think the Lions are going to beat the Packers on uh, Thursday, <laughs> but. Um, there's still a whole weekend of games yet, but since the Packers and Lions have both played, um, who do you think is going to win next Thursday? I'll take the Packers still. I, I think what we've seen from Detroit is kind of a mirage. I, they looked really good against Philly, but I think Philly's just a disaster right now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Detroit looked terrible when they beat us last time. I guess I, I still think that their defense is vulnerable enough that if we actually focus with Lacey and Starks, I think we can still get the job done just with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think our defense can hold their offense in check pretty well. So I'll hesitantly pick the Packers and just kind of more hoping for it, I think. I just don't think this, although this team has played bad, I don't think they're bad enough to lose four out of five weeks, and especially not lose two to Detroit. Yeah, I think I'm going to reluctantly agree with you. Is, as I was just kind of making that joke about the Packers losing to the Lions. But, yeah, Philadelphia is not a great gauge as to where your offense is at because they're giving some pretty rough offenses, like five-year bests in production in back-to-back weeks. Mm-hmm. So I don't think 45 points is typical of a Detroit offense, and the Packers' defense is much better than the Philadelphia Eagles' defense. Detroit's got a terrible rushing offense. This time, unlike three weeks ago, they'll have to play Eddie Lacy. And... I think that the extra week and the weight of what happened on Thursday will make some of these egos with the Packers clashing step back a little bit. They were humbled against the Bears. If it takes 50 carries from Eddie Lacy to win this game, I think they're willing to do it now more than they ever have been. And so I think they'll find a way to get it done. And if you have no faith in the Packers, but then say I have faith in the Lions, you would sound like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll take the Packers as well. All right, uh, that wraps it up. Uh, Matt, uh, enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. I understand you're putting up a bunch of Christmas lights this uh, today. That's right, and we also have the uh, annual Run for the Lights uh, 5K run in Chippewa Falls where it's an awesome charity because it helps put up a Christmas lights display in a park. So we're going to do oh, that nice. today, too. That's awesome. Well, on the chance that there's some other uh, local people listening, how do, do you know how they can get involved? Absolutely. You can sign up there, I think, at 3.30. It's just out at Irvine Park in Chippewa Falls, and it starts at 4 o'clock. Okay. You get a free shirt. It's really cool. Oh, that's awesome. If I was closer, I'd go there right now. That yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah, drive out here right now. You can make it. Well, you know, my leg just kind of bothered me today. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, support that. All right, so enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving. Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to everyone, and uh, hopefully there are some happier times in the future for the Green Bay Packers. Take care, everyone.